Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. Well, if you look at the back of your prayer sheet and just some of the scriptures that I'm going to be going over tonight, um, tonight, you know, the subject isn't like the most exciting subject and doctrine in the world, but... Um, it's one that is good for the foundation of why we need the gospel. Um, I believe that, uh, you know, one, one of the strongest arguments for the Christian worldview, you know, because I'm, apologetics is my thing, and, but one of the strongest arguments for the Christian worldview is that the Christian worldview alone gives a satisfactory explanation for the plight of humanity. Only Christianity answers why the world is the way it is, why we have to deal with sickness and natural disasters, it, why we have to deal with death. Only the Christian worldview gives a satisfactory answer and explanation to why humans are the way they are, why humans are selfish, why humans are cruel. And, and so you know what? Why is there all this trial and tribulation and, and, you know, definitely, why is there death? No one can escape death. Why, I mean, why are we dealing uh, with death? Because all the other worldviews, they, they just fall short. I mean, if you listen to their answers or lack thereof, it makes you wonder why would you want to follow uh, that particular belief system? Why would you want to follow that religion or, or that philosophy? Because, you know, you think about it, you know, like the Hindus. So the Hindus say that suffering and death and all of that are nothing but an illusion. Well, anyone who's ever been sick or suffered or had loved ones die, that was no illusion. That was the real deal. Um, you know, it's because they say that there is only the one God and, and we're just all avatars of the one God and emanation. Well, no, that, that, that does not correspond with reality. That doesn't correspond with our existence. That doesn't correspond with, with just the way things are. So no, it doesn't cut it. I mean, how, how's a Hindu going to give you any sort of comfort when a loved one dies? Well, you know, they didn't really exist anyway. What kind of comfort is that? No, Hinduism doesn't give us an answer for that stuff. Naturalism, naturalism says that the universe came into being by chance. Well, that means it doesn't have an explanation for why there's evil and troubles. Well, you know, the universe just came by chance. Well, evil and troubles just came by chance too, I guess. I guess that's just the way it is. No other worldview is going to be able to comfort and explain why things are the way they are. Here's the thing. Christianity gives us the origin of our trials and tribulations, the origins of sin, the origins of death, the origins of evil. The origins of why the human heart is the way that the human heart is. And and we need to to know about this inception of wickedness so that we can rightly understand the remedy. 
We won't be able to, able to understand the remedy if we don't understand the problem first. And it all comes down to a moral choice of the first humans. And because of their choice, the effect of their choice spread throughout all of creation and ha has followed us throughout the ages. So we've been using creeds and confessions to uh, review some of the most important doctrines that are found in Scripture, trying to summarize what Scripture teaches us. And tonight we want to continue to look at that and about what brought about sin, evil, death, problems, trials, tribulations. Why, are th why is the world the way that it is? Why? why? Did you see the craziness in Philadelphia? They're just a mob went throughout the city, just breaking into stores, stealing everything. Why? why? I mean, why is that even a possibility in this world? Well, Christianity has an answer for that. Uh, I want to read the first two paragraphs of chapter 6 of the Baptist Confession. And uh, this is what it says. God created humanity upright and perfect. He gave them a righteous law that would have led to life if they had kept it, but threatened death if they broke it. Yet they did not remain for long in this position of honor. Satan used the craftiness of the serpent to seduce Eve, who then seduced Adam. Adam acted without any outside compulsion and deliberately transgressed the law of their creation and the command given to them by eating the forbidden fruit. God was pleased in keeping with his wise and holy counsel to permit this act because he had purposed to direct it for his own glory. There's the providence of God I talked about the past few weeks. But by this sin, our first parents fell from their original righteousness and communion with God. We fell in them, and through this, death came upon all. All became dead in sin and completely defiled in all the capabilities and parts of soul and body. Well, I guess everything, you know, if you look at the Baptist Confession, it kind of leads up to this, because we've previously talked about how God created everything. He is the creator and sustainer of everything that is outside of himself, and that includes the epitome of his creation, which is humanity. Humanity was made special. Only humanity was made to be an imager of God. We find in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God said, let us make mankind, humankind in our image after our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move on the earth. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, man and woman, are both imagers of God. Only humanity was created this way and was given the task of multiplying and, and subduing the earth and having dominion over the earth as God's representative uh, over this creation. After God had created everything the way he had purposed it to, he said it was very good. It was the way he wanted it. It was ready to fulfill its purpose, and humanity was part of it. Humanity was in perfect harmony with creation. Humanity was in a perfect relationship with one another and perfect relationship with God. 
You know, that in Genesis 2.25, it says that the man and his wife were both naked, but they were not ashamed, meaning that there was no sort of barrier in the relationship between them or in the relationship uh, with God. Humanity had nothing to hide because they were perfectly righteous before God. They, they stood right before God. And as long as the man and woman, as long as Adam and Eve obeyed God and his command, they would remain in this perfect, upright, just state of existence. God did not load them down with a whole lot of commands. God didn't give them a book about yea big, filled with do's and don'ts and how to live for him. They were in perfect relationship with God. They had, they, there was nothing within them that stopped them, that would prevent them from remaining in right relationship with God and one another or obeying God. God gave one commandment to them, to test them, to see, I guess, what they were made of, I guess, and this is the command given to Adam then Adam was supposed to pass it down, you know, to his descendants. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat fruit from every tree of the orchard, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. And, you know, they, they, they heard that threat behind the command, but they're like, well, I don't know what death is, but okay. One tree they were to avoid, and that's it. And it's not like there weren't a whole lot of choices. I mean, it says you can freely eat from the fruit of every tree that there is in the orchard. Earlier in that chapter, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, it says that the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow from the soil. Every tree that was pleasing to look at and good for food. There was so much of it there. Now the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil were in the middle of the orchard, but there was all sorts of trees that they could eat from. Just don't eat from this one. If humanity would have obeyed God, they would have been given to eat from the tree of life and they would have lived in, in perfect harmony with God forever. However, it was not meant to be. Genesis 3 gives us the story. Now, we, you know, we don't know how, I don't know how long there happened between Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. I don't know how long in a gap there was. But they probably weren't in the garden very long. And then in Genesis 3, and I'll read verses 1 through 7, this is what happened. Now the serpent was shrewder than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, is it really true that God said you must not eat from any tree of the orchard? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit from the trees of the orchard, but concerning the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the orchard, God said, you must not eat from it and you must not touch it or else you will die. The serpent said to the woman, Surely you will not die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
When the woman saw that the tree produced fruit that was good for food, was attractive to the eye, and was desirable for making one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some of it to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them opened, and they knew they were naked, and so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You know, the, the confession, it says that Satan used the craftiness of the serpent. So, you know, they're coming from an angle that they think that, like Satan entered into a serpent and then spoke to Adam and Eve. It might be better just to see that Satan is the serpent, because in Revelation, he is called the dragon, he is called the serpent, you know, it, it, it's who he is, it's his character. It is this, you know, he, he was more crafty than anything else God had made in heaven and earth. And so he deceived Eve into disobeying God. He twisted God's word and then seduced and deceived Eve into disobeying God and then Eve seduced Adam to kind of follow along with her. And when we look at what scripture says, the blame for the fall is placed on Adam, not Eve. It's recognized throughout scripture that Eve was deceived, but Adam was responsible. Adam was the one with whom covenant was made. We look at something like in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, where Paul says, Adam was formed first and then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman, because she was fully deceived, fell into transgression. Eve may have been the one that was deceived, but Adam was the first human. Adam was given the responsibility of obedience. He did not have to give in to what Eve offered him. He willfully chose to broke God's law. It's not like he did it out of ignorance. It's not like he didn't know where that fruit came from. It's not like Eve came up to him and said, hey, check this fruit out. Oh, what's this? Let me give it a try. No. Because in, in you know, chapter 3 there, it says that she gave it to Adam who was with her. I mean, he knew where that came from. He willfully chose to break, to break God's law. And even though in the first three chapters of, of Genesis, the word covenant isn't used, there is a covenant that is made between God and Adam. There's a stipulation, there's a promise, and, and there's a threat. The stipulation is to obey God and don't eat from that tree. The promise is you will have life. The threat is if you eat from that tree, you're going to die. In, in the Hebrew, I mean, it, it's emphasized. Dying, you will surely die. I mean, it's, it's like a double whammy there. Look, God's saying, I'm not messing around. This is what's going to happen. Now, Adam and Eve fell. They instantly died spiritually. And then the process of physical death begun. And so by eating from the tree, I mean, not only did Adam disobey God, he broke covenant with God. So the covenant was made with Adam before Eve was formed. Adam was the responsible party. But Adam and Eve were not the only ones to suffer the consequences. As the second paragraph reads, I mean, when Adam and Eve fell from their original righteousness and communion with God, we fell in them because we come 
from them. The covenant was broken, sin and death were introduced to God's image bearers, and that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. Why are things so messed up in this world? Rebellion against God. Why are things constantly messed up in this world? Because we continuously and constantly rebel against God. Every one of us. And so the, the covenant was broken. Sin and death were introduced to God's image bearers. That's passed down from generation to generation. And now we are born with a nature that is defiled. It's defiled in body. It's defiled in mind. It's defiled in spirit, and so with this defilement comes this tendency for us to sin against God, to rebel against God. And we jump right, we jump headlong into it. It's not like, it's, it's not like it takes a whole lot to lead us astray. The corruption has been passed down from the first Adam. The death, death has been passed down from the first Adam. And Paul hits this point hard in Romans 3. I mean, you hear these people who say, well, you know, humanity, mankind, we're, we're, we're born basically good and we just do bad things sometimes. Hmm, no. I mean, listen to, what, listen to the state that we're in according to the Apostle Paul in Romans 3. He says, just as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who sees God. All have turned away. Together they have become worthless. There is no one who shows kindness, not even one. Their throats are open graves. They deceive with their tongues. The poison of asps is under their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery are in their paths. And the way of peace they have not known. <coughs> there is no fear of God before their eyes. Boy, Paul, that's a good way to win friends and influence people. Boy, thanks for that positive pep talk, Paul. Make me feel so much better about myself but he's telling it the way it is. That all comes from the fall. That is humanity left in their natural state and there is nothing that anyone can do about it. Every human being is born in the first Adam. We are connected with the first Adam, with all the curses, with all the consequences that come with the first Adam. He is the progenitor of humanity. And so we need a new humanity. That's why we need a second slash last Adam. If we are in the first Adam, we're goners. We need to be part of a new humanity. And that comes through Jesus Christ. And so Paul, he, he makes this contrast then between the first Adam and the last Adam, or the second Adam, depending on where, where he's writing. But I want to read from Romans 5, verses 12 through 21. Paul says, 
So then just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all people because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world, but there was no accounting for sin when there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who did not sin in the same way that Adam, who is a type of the coming one, transgressed. But the gracious gift is not like the transgression. For if the many died through the transgression of the one man, how much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, multiply to the many? And the gift is not like the one who sinned, for judgment resulting from the one transgression led to common condemnation, but the gracious gift from the many failures led to justification. For if by the transgression of the one man death reigned through the one, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as condemnation for all people came through one transgression, so too through one righteous act came righteousness leading to life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man many were constituted sinners, so also through the obedience of one man many will be constituted righteous. Now the law came in so that transgression may increase, but where sin increased, grace multiplied all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through the first Adam, death came because of sin and rebellion. Through the second Adam, salvation came because of the obedience of the one man when he went to the cross to provide justification. Jesus Christ came to undo what had been done and bring humanity back to what was originally intended. But it's for those who believe and repent. Everyone is born under the curse of the first Adam. Everyone is born spiritually dead. Everyone is physically dying. And if you physically die still under the curse of the first Adam, you will taste the second death and you will experience the eternal penalty. But if you believe in Jesus, you're placed in a new covenant. You are placed in the new humanity and given eternal life. Life that is promised. You know, it's the life that was promised by the tree of life. We, it's as if we regain access to the tree of life. In fact, if you read Revelation, it talks about the tree of life again, doesn't it? The problem is, there's a lot of people who don't want to hear that they've been born into sin. They don't want to hear that their nature is corrupted. They don't want to hear that they have this problem. But if you don't understand the sickness, you're not going to understand the cure. You need to understand the sickness in order to understand the cure. I mean, I actually ran into someone way back in my seminary days. I was preaching at this uh, shelter, and I was talking to a guy trying to share the gospel with him. And I asked him about sin, and he said, oh, I don't sin. And I'm thinking, you just did. You're a liar. Liar, liar, pants on fire. You are too a sinner. Because I am too. We all are. But So you need to know the bad news. You can know the good news. I mean, this is bad news. This is depressing. I mean, you hear what Paul says in Romans 3. You're like, oh, man, I... I need to do something to cheer me up, get me some ice cream or something, because that, that's just depressing. Well, the only cure to all that ill that, that Paul wrote about is Jesus Christ. 
And we need to pray that, you know, the bad news of who we are in Adam will open up hearts to hear the good news of who we can be in Jesus Christ. And so we need to pray that hearts are open to accept that news. You have to accept the bad with the good because you won't understand the good without the bad. You won't understand why you need a Savior unless you first understand that you are a sinner and you are under the curse of Adam. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.